As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full. On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with that total mom sense. I want to begin today's episode with my story. Storytelling is my passion because I love that stories have the power to bond generations and humanity. I fondly remember listening to the stories of my grandmother, from the life lessons in the epic Ramayana to her family's struggle as refugees during India's partition in 1947. Storytelling has been the common denominator in my career. I worked as a television anchor and producer for CNN International, where I had the opportunity to share the shocking stories of survivors of the 2611 Mumbai terror attacks to the backstories of some of the biggest Bollywood blockbusters to a viewership of over 100 million people. Now, as an entrepreneur, I help my digital marketing clients tell their brand story. And as a mom of three, with this podcast as my vehicle, I have the privilege of sharing the personal stories of thought leaders and experts who are mothers and fathers who converse with me about their experiences of how to problem solve as parents, lead a purposeful life, and a legacy they can be proud of. I have always been a fervent believer of intuition. Hence the name of the show, That's Total Mom Sense. I want to encourage all of you listening, especially first-time parents who are nervous and weary, to trust your innate superpower, your mom sense, or your dad sense when it comes to your kids. It will always steer you on the right path. I am prefacing with this because I am so honored to interview my two guests today, who as husband and wife are born storytellers and are pioneers in helping others tap into intuition. Mark Willard is a beloved television and radio personality and understands what it means to connect with an audience and tell a story. His wife, Jill Willard, is a gifted intuitive and has a keen sense of what's going on with her family, people around her, and the world. Mark Willard has been on the radio and television airwaves throughout California and nationally since 2001. As of early 2019, he returned to his home market of San Francisco to host the Mark Willard Show, weekdays 6 to 10 p.m. on the legendary KNBR 104.5 FM and 680 AM. Willard's move to SF came after a two and a half year run hosting middays noon to three on the Mark and Rich Show on Extra 1360 Fox Sports San Diego. He had also anchored the weekend lineup nationally on Fox Sports Radio since 2015. Prior to that, he had a six-year run with ESPN LA, hosting his own weekday slot along with former Laker Michael Thompson. Willard was also the host of the weekly show on ESPNLA.com, The Forum. Willard's TV career has blossomed, having appeared as the lead villain in hosts of Sports Nation on ESPN2. He currently appears as a frequent guest on NBC's Going Roggin, Time Warner Cable, Sportsnet, Top 10, and Fox 11's Sports Report. 
Willard has also appeared on The Golf Channel, NBA TV, and Fuel TV, and is an accomplished voiceover artist. Jill Willard, his wife, is the author of Intuitive Being and has been featured on Goop, Women's Health Online, Mind Body Green, and TEDx. Her newest venture, I Am, offers tools and tips on meditation and being here in presence. Jill has been an intuitive all her life. She came forward with her stunning gift to help open, support, and teach intuition. Her work helps explain the chakras or energy centers that when balanced are key to health, vitality, and peace. She has worked with business leaders, celebrities, and multiple nonprofits, done readings for numerous people in the public and private sector, aided in missing person cases, and has helped thousands professionally for over a decade. Although it took some coaxing for Jill to come forward, she is very grateful to be able to help us all travel through life with more inner strength, confidence, and grace, letting our spirit be our guide. She and Mark live in Mill Valley, California with their three children, Abe, 13, Ella, 11, and Jude, 6. Mark and Jill, thank you, thank you for being on That's Total Mom Sense. You're welcome. A pleasure. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I just, I really wanted to start with that backstory because I feel it's so compelling and I feel like destiny brought us together. I, uh, I want to give a big shout out to our friend Suchir who introduced us. So thank you to Suchir. We love you. <laughs> thank you, Suchir. Thank you, Suchir. <laughs> Okay, let's start at the very beginning of your stories. What was it like for both of you when you were growing up? Well, we both grew up in Northern California in a little diverse, but pretty non-diverse neighborhoods. Very blessed and lucky to go to very good public schools. We came from kind families, both of us families of four. I'm the older child, Mark's the younger, but firstborn male. You know, I think growing up in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, I being so intuitive, I actually thought about this this morning. I, you know, I loved school and I, I played a lot of sport and it came naturally to I, but at the same time, I'd be the one in first grade or even in honors history in high school saying, history didn't happen this way. You know, what's happening? You know, I kind of had that psychic intuitive ability then, but I was a good girl with, you know, a lot of hairspray and braces and <laughs> nails. So, you know, friends knew and, and some teachers knew definitely, but I kept a lot of that in. I was pretty much a good girl and did what I was told, you know, a cheerleader for a time and then into sports and varsity. And then I was told I need to go to UC school. So I chose Santa Barbara. I didn't stay in Northern California for that. So that was kind of my upbringing. And then at age 18, going to college, it's when the intuition and psychic ability grew a lot. So that was kind of the next phase. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, Mark. Gosh, I cherish the childhood memories that uh, that I have. Yeah, loving loving family, parents who are still together today. It's just so, so many friends that, that, that we still have today that, that were, you know, childhood friends. Even went to elementary school with my mom working at the school. There was just, uh, there was always a lot of support. There was always a lot of love. My love for what I am now doing professionally was born very early. You know, I don't know if it was a combination of knowing that I wasn't going to play uh, the, the, <laughs> the sports that I love or if it was just something that was kind of innate in me. But, but you know, I, I have somewhere in a, 
storage unit, you know, tapes of me sitting in front of the TV calling baseball or basketball games or whatever. So, so yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was childhood coming up. And I, I think we moved when I was one and then we lived in that house forever. My parents sold that house when they retired just a, about a decade ago. And, and so, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was wonderful. Wow. That's so cool. And how did you both uh, meet? What always stands out when we get asked that question, there's still a very, very clear visual to this day of the first time that I saw her, uh, the first time she walked into a room that I was in. Uh, her brother-in-law, the gentleman that is married to her sister, was a work contact of mine. He is also in broadcasting. And so I had gotten to know him uh, somewhat recently, like we were we were becoming fast friends and, you know, I would see him at uh, at work. He, he wasn't necessarily a co-worker, but he was doing some things in the broadcasting world. And so we would see each other maybe once a week or whatnot. And so we started to socialize a little bit and uh, and I got to know his uh, his then girlfriend, who is, is now his wife. And I was just over at his house one day sitting on uh, sitting on the couch and and Joe walked into the room. Very quickly, as soon as I had a free moment on my own with my friend Chris, I kind of gave him the like, you didn't tell me that you had a, had a sister. Both of us were uh, were in other relationships in that time. But um, uh, there was something that certainly hit me right away. And, uh, and then just in those social circles, as time continued, we grew, uh, we grew much closer. Yeah, I still remember that. And we'd run into each other a lot or a good amount at really strange places. So there was definitely a cosmic pull, which is also when we, you know, we're open and we trust our gut, we stay open to working with that energy. And there was no cheating involved or anything like that. It just took, you know, we made sure both of us weren't dating anyone and weren't with someone. And then we had our first date. Wow. Jill, can you tell me about your power as an intuitive and, you know, what you began to see as you were coming of age? Yes. Oh, I love this question because I actually, as you know, I think we discussed this briefly. I believe this is very tied to our brain. And when our brain matures, you know, we can be intuitive or instinctual when we're young. And if we learn to con- stay connected to that, even if we call it God or Holy Spirit, or we call it nature or that sixth sense, as long as we know it's something working with us, then it begins to grow. So I always did believe in that, as I think, you know, since I was quite little, because I lived in Europe when I was about three and a half, four, and it was so magical and beautiful in a lot of ways. And in Europe, there was a lot of this spirituality and old wisdom and knowledge and and a lot of different Europeans. I don't want to say a lot, but some that I remember would almost come up and talk with me like they could feel the spiritual connection. So I knew it was something powerful. And then growing up in Northern California, you know, on the American River, going to Tahoe and skiing and you know, boating, you know, all my life, I don't think it was very common in Northern California at that time, but I knew it quietly. So it would grow usually through friendships where friends would ask, you know, will so-and-so be there? And I never used it in vain. I honestly didn't because I even realized early what we call dark or mean, it always had a, a light benefit, if that makes sense. So I would continue to use it. And then, like I said, when I went off to college, I think it's because I was on my own and I really needed to rely on my independence, which is very third energy center, right? It's very appropriate for your brain is at age 17, 18. You know, we do this master flesh at age 17 to kind of come into our independence if we're mature enough. And I had done that. So I was really free and it was like a best friend. The more scary stuff didn't happen until I was over age 25, and which it, once again is when the brain comes into its maturity. But age 25 is when it really got real. And I saw a lot of systematic 
awfulness. And that started to overwhelm me a little bit. But that power, I think, is so important. And we all have it. And it's more knowing it's real and connecting or knowing whatever that is, it's in us and outside us. So even if we believe it's God or source or dharma or karma or whatever we want to call it, we know we're working with it. And there's an equality going on and a bothness, you know, because we tend to rely still on another, you know, like God's got me or I'm a child of, and that's just was never my experience. You have to actualize it and use it like a muscle to make it mature and, and work with it. And then of course, bring in the heart and alchemy and any good leader, I feel, you know, from Nelson Mandela to Maya Angelou to Jane Goodall to anyone to Barack Obama, I believe. I hope we don't upset anyone. But and Michelle Obama will say as well, knows that we got to work with the heart and equality. And that's very humbling. And so I mention it here because I was very humbled by that power because sometimes I would not often because I think about it, but sometimes I'd make a mistake on how I used it or I'll say this so it was premature to say something because I was a Caucasian female with, you know, light hair, dirty blonde hair. Who did what did I know coming up against a priest or president or these different stories that we know over time. I mean, it happens daily, but there's some big ones, even in missing persons cases. You know, we're seeing this right now, I think even with the funeral this morning, you know, with George Floyd, we're seeing a lot of, well, and even in a lot of our leadership, quote, leadership, non-acceptance um, and also non-taking accountability. And so even when we use any power we have, right, in leadership or intuition, we got to take respect and accountability and own our part of what we say and do with it and tell the truth about it. So it was actually 25 where that started to form. And then by the time I became 30, it grew more because I started speaking the truth. And poor thing, you know, now I'm 46. And it's like, better with age, we're in trouble or anyone. <laughs> Watch out world. Yes. Yeah. And you, you highlighted a little bit about the, you know, injustice that, you know, we're actually revolutionizing against now. Um, and your family has taken a stand for Black Lives Matter. How did you explain what's going on to your kids and how did it impact them? I actually want to start by giving Joe credit for something, which was in our city, you know, I think on almost seems like every city in America right now, there are, whether it's demonstrations, whether it's, you know, gatherings, what what have you, we're coming together. The first opportunity for that in, in our neighborhood, my first instinct when you combine COVID-19 and what we see on TV and the fact that one of our kids especially is only six years old, my first instinct was, I'm not sure if we should be taking children to this. So anyway, I brought it up and without hesitation, uh, Joe was like, no, 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 they, they need to see this. They need to be a part of this. And we found out, I first had the day wrong and then found out that that day, which I thought was the actual gathering, was a day where you could go make signs for the gathering that was going to happen the next day. So then it became much easier because the kids thought that, you know, this is like we're going to go to art class, you know? So off we went and it was beautiful because it was an opportunity to have some cool conversations in, in the car ride and, and as it was happening so that they could, you know, that they could see a little bit of, of what was going on around. And uh, especially our 11-year-old daughter asked amazing questions. Yeah. And one of the things that stands out is um, their attempt to understand why a statement, for instance, like all lives matter would be emotional at all. Like, why would that that seems like such a uh, an overarching, innocuous, and kind thing to say. Everybody's life matters. And so 
we have the opportunity to explain some of the nuance that's that's that, that's taking place there, and and then also just explain to them that especially you know a family like ours. I mean, one of the things I wanted to help them with, and, and I think in that process it helps ourselves as well, is the position that we're in. It is mainly time to listen. However, at the same time, what we're also learning and listening is that. It's also upon all of us who you wouldn't expect to speak up, to speak up. And so that's kind of why as a family, and we did, we went to these gatherings and for the most part, we were very quiet, but again, answered those questions and then also explained to them and, and really sat ourselves with what it is that, that we can do. It's obviously well beyond time. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So I wanted to touch on, you know, a story you shared in one of your TEDx talks, Jill, on why you made your psychic ability, your calling. You said two things that struck me. One was your mentor, Dr. Jennifer Freed, kind of encouraged you to step up and and come out with this power that you have. And secondly, you you said something that really I found to be so profound. Uh, you just kind of surrendered and said, fate, show me where you want me. So tell us about that. This is such a beautiful moment you're speaking of, because I think this is pivotal for so many of all ages right now. I mean, a lot of listeners, if um, we can think about where this has happened in our life and we can regroup on that moment or be open to it happening again, because it'll come around again. You know, that's just straight evolution or DNA, however you want to look at it. But I'll answer here, you know, I had been for a while friends and different people and living down, you know, we lived in LA, Manhattan Beach, I say, <laughs> it always to Los Angeles, but I lived there so long since the 90s and was really a barefoot person down at the ocean. I worked hard, I, you know, worked for publishers and then worked across the city. But, I, you know, I'd gone back to graduate school for uh, document photography. I always wanted to offer something and I could kind of read a room or read energy even overseas. But I knew still that was me behind the camera. And, and we just were done with some of that one degree away, like we're talking about right now. So friends, when I came back, friends were still asking me a lot, especially down in L.A. Some were well-known actors and whatnot. And one of them, our dear friend Bianca, introduced me to Dr. Jennifer Freed. So when I went up to Santa Barbara with she, um, I don't even think we had children yet. We might have been pregnant with Abe or just Abe was just born our oldest. She was like, you need to come out and do this professionally and charge uh, $20. And just, and honestly, I believe in that 10,000 hours of mastery. I was like, I'm not going to walk out the door from this hour chart reading. She's an evolutionary astrologer and brilliant at what she does. She's blowing up now. She's amazing. She's 61 now, I want to say, and she's incredible. So we, I went up to Santa Barbara to do that with a dear friend of mine. And um, she said in my chart, I'm this, I'm very psychic. And my friend is writing notes, just shaking her head. But I would use it like the Dalai Lama. And that's where it broke open. I heard what I needed to hear. I'd use it with a compassionate heart. There were, I went back to find mentors. I couldn't find a mentor. Everyone was that I met um, quite unhealthy, darker um, energetically. Most of them are Caucasian actually, but darker energetically, obese drug use, they like fill in, they, they know about 5% psychically and then fill in the rest. And I could tell the moment they were not speaking truth. And then they were asking me questions and I was giving them a reading. So I surrendering, wait, this is innate. This is really easy fry and fun. This is what I came to be and do. You know, it relates back a lot when I was little, when I was three living in Europe, I guess um, we found this when we were getting married. My mom sent me, or maybe when we were having a first child, my mom sent me a baby book and 
the preschool teachers would be like, Jill just loves to get everyone together and say you have to feel the music, even if it's Bach and how to be integrated in your body. I was doing that, you know, early. I just understood how to actualize that psychic piece. Yeah, that's just how it began. Dr. Jennifer Freed was key because she said, come back in one year. It's funny, it's this time of year. I went back June 11th. I'll never forget. Things I asked you came true. You need to come out as a psychic. And everything she had asked me, politics, weather, all these different things had come to be. So I said, I'm coming out. And we had that conversation on the ride home. He picked me up that day. And Abe was a baby in the back, a little in the back. And I said, I guess I'm coming out as a psychic that wasn't in our marriage vows. Our marriage, <laughs> we've been married probably three years at that point. He said, well, at least you'll start getting paid for what you do and not getting trapped in the corner at parties. <laughs> and I still remember where we were on the Ventura Freeway and we laughed. And, and then I came forward and this is for others to hear too. I did not advertise. I just did it. And then it was truthful and it, you know, it worked and gained speed. And then about a year or two in from there, we lived in a small town. I grew up half Catholic. We joked, and I very—I was very spiritual, and I was very connected to church. I was a—I um, was a Sunday school teacher at that time, and then I got the next ring of the backlash. It's like I had my support, and that went really well, even across the country. And then I started getting a little more out there, and then some of the, you know, unkind husbands and certain teachers and people saying this wasn't of Jesus started coming forward, and that was a tough couple years. But that's like me going through the fire of that. And I often say, you know, and the mentors helped me with this, you know, it's not that you don't believe in intuition, it's that you do believe in intuition, and you know, it's real. And so it scares a lot of people, because I could see them truthfully. And I love them anyway. And I could see them truthfully, I could see some things they were doing, even if they weren't coming in for readings. So then I had to learn how to regulate it. And it was a great mentor, James Von Prague, who helped me regulate it. So you get mentors coming in on your path. He was a great medium. There's all the synchronistic things that happened to meet him because Abe was a baby, our oldest, and I cocoon. And I didn't want to go out and learn a class. The internet was just happening. And all these synchronistic things came together within 24 hours where I had the good insight how to close it down. Because, you know, when you go out in the world and open, and Mark might speak to this too, we fumble, we're too open, we mess up, we're we're eager. So sometimes it's like fools rush in, a lot of energies coming in at us. And, and I had to learn regulation, but it was the mentors that kept that pillaring that I would keep going. So I always think you need two or more mentors to do that. Yeah. You know, in your book, um, you opened with uh, a story about how you knew you were going to have a girl. What was that moment like for both of you? It was hilarious and beautiful at the same time, because all of that was was kind of unspoken. We obviously spoke about it all the time, and and uh, and I knew that that Jill very much was feeling like this was a girl, and so we go, and uh, you know he's he's moving things around and looking at pictures. He says out loud, "I I think we're having another boy," and I just immediately look right at Jill because I, of course novice in this kind of a, uh, of a, you know, everything that's going on in that moment, even though it's our second child. And you know how a husband and wife can read each other. Her face was not only, com- it was complete calm, but it sort of had this inner knowing. And it almost like I looked at her eye and I immediately knew she was just kind of like, it was almost like a message to the doctor, like, check again. Yeah. <laughs> And so then I sort of look back at him and he's still moving around. And then he goes, oh, no, nope, I see it. It's a girl. There have been a number 
of these types of moments in our in our lives where Joe will see something or say something or do something and you're just like, okay, all right, this is <laughs> this is fascinating. There's going on here. And that was that was definitely one of them uh, for me. Yeah. You explain that everyone is intuitive. You know, it's just a matter of kind of tapping our clairvoyance. And you elucidate that it's a sixth sense and, in fact, even a seventh sense, um, this power of intuition we have. So can you tell us about that? I love you brought this up. The sixth sense is that kind of like, hmm, we know something's going on or something feels strange when we walk into a room or a hotel or a party or even into the bathroom. We just, we know something's going on. And then the seventh sense is knowing specifically what that is. And so I teach a lot about, I think we're very stuck in instinct still in our, in, in, in the U S and in many cultures, we're still stuck in instinctiveness and gut, but that's still primal. And I don't think we've gotten to the part where we understand part of primal is survival, but it's also healing, you know, kind of that next in between layer of healing and then thrive or or understanding your intuition is a part of the, I believe in part of the front of the brain in front of the penal gland. I think uh, physics really proved this a long time ago with past, present and future, you know, is kind of quantum physics is all in the now, but also in the brain, there's all this gray matter. And I really think that it's a part in front of the cortex. I really do. And I think we're going to prove it, which, you know, in some cultures, and you and I have talked about it, it we call it the upper window or third eye. So where is it reflecting right there in that part of the forehead or brain? So connecting that, then you'll get to the seventh sense. You'll you'll hear it or you'll feel it or you'll know it, you know, or you'll sense it or you'll see it. I'm very visual, but when the mediumships start happening, I said, please just tell me what you want <laughs> when they were coming in. I don't want to see I'm breastfeeding a child right now at two in the morning in the dark. I will be scared too. Um, I think I told you that story. Michael Jackson was one of the first that came in and I'm like, and he wanted to talk about teas for like two hours and his baby brother and it all turned out to be true. And he talked about what was going to happen at his funeral, which happened a week or two later. So that that's where I share with Marky or dear friends, you know, soul family that I know I can say, you know, it shows this is going to happen. And uh, the Boston bombing was one of those times where I just saw this is what's coming energetically and and uh, we're here and uh, you start to understand matter, that matter can be dense, like Newton's law, like a tree. And we can see the matter, like we can see something literally in front of our eyes, or you learn lighter matter, you can still see it. But where are you seeing it? Is it that higher eye or sight or part of the brain that can really infer or exchange? And some people get this in their dream state sometimes. Some people get it when they're on a long drive or in the shower. It's the same place that drops in new high creativity, you know, like a great musician who says at three in the morning, but you don't need the drugs. <laughs> yeah, that is so amazing. And in your talk, you mentioned that there are tools that we can use to tap our intuition. And this is something that is uniquely powerful when you're a parent. So you mentioned there's heart, power, thoughts becoming things, clearing, and clarity. So could you just give us a brief overview on those points? Yes. And I'll put, I'll make them very factual because now we teach that as we call it the four bodies or the four aspects of being. So think physical, emotional, men mental, and spiritual, but spiritual can mean connection or social. It doesn't have to mean religion at all. When we're emotional, when we're too much in the heart or our limbic system, I believe is connected to our heart. So this ties with the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system for those that like the body. I just want to make it very real. 
when we're in our nervous system too much, we're feeling emotion or energy in motion, we will not be clearly intuitive. I've made the mistake when I've given readings to friends. I, If I have an emotional connection to them, I'll also see what they want subconsciously. And it took me a while to untangle that. So they could have wanted a baby girl, but they were having a baby boy. In a reading, especially the half hour ones I did early, I'd see that and I'd say, but I that was what they wanted, not what they were having. So I had to kind of fine tune getting out of emotion or out of that part of the brain, which is very connected to the heart and like pulls the heartstrings. I would always or almost always see them the next day at the playground or a week later and be like, oh, shoot, they're having a girl. But in those times, people didn't like when I changed my mind. So I had to learn a lot about that. So that's why the TED Talk was about that, like the clarity. So that's the thought we have and getting really clear about intel, intellect or mental. What are things meant as? Anyone knows, I think a lot of your listeners are so bright and brilliant and educated, but if we're not educated and we never learned full abstract reasoning when we were 9, 10, if we didn't learn that discernment of pause and get more information, even with a college professor, do we really agree with his ethics or her ethics or their ethics or their what they're teaching? Because so much of our systems were based on old patriarch off man and they're just really not whole. So how to discern all that, you've got to really be clear about what's coming in and then what works for you within. And we're seeing this right now in COVID and also with with race, right? It's the exact same thing. So we divide into four aspects that I think everyone will love. We either say your physical body is your physical like a hand. Then your nervous system and skin around it is your energy and motion or emotional body. That's your nervous system. Then a few inches to feet out is your mental or intellectual. And if you look at a person, you can tell who's very intellectual because usually they're very thin or in that space. And then if they're too emotional, they're usually very expanded like water in their aura. They're just a little bit bigger, but not in an intellectual way. And the spiritual is the final connection, which you can think like rays of light or the fourth ring of the bullseye. Another way to look at it is a BMW sign for those of you that know symbols, you know, like the pie and it's divided in four and we need to be aware of each piece of pie in fourth. So we're very physical, mental in our culture. We're very about outer beauty, our physicalness, working out, and we're very big on being educated in school, but that's just the left brain or half the picture. So that's why the TED talk that way, because clarity and also the heart and all of that is really understanding what we were going to talk about, the masculine feminine or the left and right hemisphere. We've been overeducated in our left analytical brain, just physical, mental, also known as masculine. Some confuse it with patriarch, but the majority has been man leading even spiritual text and culture for thousands of years. And that's the only reason I'm mentioning it here is not to be a feminist. It's for everyone to win. We're all we're shifting into balance and equality. So it's awesome for us and our kids and our own body and our own nervous system and cleansing out the patterning and the prejudice that we learned of separation. Separation is also competition. So we've learned to make it a very linear laddered model of win-lose, number one or zero. And now we're kind of getting into the feminine side of nest and circular. And that's the TED Talk in a very feminine way. And I was only supposed to do the minute of meditation in between the TED Talks. And then they asked me to do a TED Talk once they heard me talking about meditation and all this. So I made the TED Talk simple. So some like it, simplicity, some find it too brief, but do listen. I think it was great in that you covered, um, you know, this toolkit that we have high level and and gave us like the tangible action items on how to hone in. I I am glad that you brought up 
masculine and feminine energy, because that really was why I felt so uh, excited to have both of you on the show today to kind of represent what masculine and feminine energy is. Um, And the world, as you mentioned, um, it's uh, it's split into two. There's duality everywhere. Um, There's something so powerful in the number two. But, um, you know, there's yin and yang and with our brain, left and right hemisphere and then masculine, feminine. So can you kind of extrapolate on what that means and how even as a woman, there is both masculine and feminine energy within us? Absolutely. The reason I bring up the patriarchal way or that man really did have the say, even if the man adored his wife and woman, and it's in it's in all culture, we've seen it a lot overseas, you know. It's, it's not just in the U.S. So it's a lot of all of our heredities. There was still an imbalance. The man does really have more of the power or the he had the checkbook or the money or the final say, even, even about how the children were raised. So, But I want to take us all back. Those boys or men were boys of that as well. So they never saw their mother have equal power or weight. Even if she put in her voice, it was easily overridden or, or, or she had to do it secretly with their other women friends. It was very divided. And then there's the man's club and men, I don't think understand how to raise children the way we do. What we offer is just equal and different. So, but I'll say this also before I go into the hemispheres, we're coming out of a time of duality and binary thinking, which I know this is a little heady, but I want everyone to really remember balance and integration leads us up into the higher parts of the mind because we mature, we get through our second and third chakra of ego into the heart of alchemy and all oneness. And you can't fake that. You can't skip over anything. You're stuck in second chakra of unequal relationship. And we want to make it an infinity sign, equalize it then to go north, if that makes sense, to center it. So binary is over. It's an old model. It's the black and whiteness of things. It's what we're seeing playing out in the streets right now. Um, really seeing the outer labeling. That's binary thinking. You're black, you're white, you're good, you're bad you know, heaven, hell, all that stuff. And we're just over that in evolution. Our children are long over it. The millennials are over this. So I want to center that so people can understand what we're saying. Even yin yang symbol is a second chakra symbol. There's a new symbol in the third energy center. Or, you know, and I know for some who really love the chakras and energy center, it looks like a different bloom, but you'll notice it's independence like your belly button or high school where you you get independence. You're out of codependence or binary out of age seven to 14 and your maturity. Now our culture, that's where all economy is. That's where every, all our systems are broken in the root. So we are way low in the red and orange. And that's what we're seeing play out even in our homes, in our own bodies. So when you get up into independence, your microbiome, your stomach is much better. Your gut is clear. And that's the leap I think a lot of people are trying to make. How can we know you're equal to me? No matter what you look like, how tall you are, your skin tone, your gender. Also, binary leaves one or the other. So it's not about man, woman anymore. One skin tone, two skin tones, it's two and more, right? So I just want to open up people's thinking because we're in integration. So we're in a part now where we understand we need to work with the left and right hemispheres equally. And that's how we were born. We have two nostrils, two lungs. We're born for that equality. Two sides of our body, as we know, that relate to masculine and feminine. So now we'll just say this, you know, the left brain hemisphere has that critical mind in it and is very linear. As we know, it's more about um, language and defiant things, finite things. And that's how we've been raised in our schools. It's based off an old model in the 60s. You know, white is white and white's number one. And actually, man is number one. 
Then you go over to the right brain and the right brain's infinite and the wide view, you know, left brain's more narrowed view, which is good. You want to be focused on your study. So a long, narrow view is important at times. But then if you're not widening your view, that's what the right brain and female offers in the feminine side. And this can be non-gender. But once again, we weren't trained under equal parents or culture that valued men and women equally or all skin tones evenly. So we're not even, you know, we're even unconscious or subconscious. So the right brain is infinite, but if we're too right brain, we can be too chaotic. We could be too airy and open. I have to work on that because we're very creative. We're very right weavers and, you know, so all of that. So you want the balance of both and then you get that plus sign or you get linear and horizontal, the horizon line coming together. And that makes a stunning child, us balanced in our own body and microbiome. And then, then you just open the heart and your nervous system is calm and clear, even in chaos. You can work with both. Um, so that right feminine side really is that nurturing side of our nature. So that feminine side is also nature and our earth. And then the masculine side is what do we do with the earth? So balancing out masculine and feminine, it really is balancing out your father and mother wound. I often say our, our president right now has a deep mother wound and a deep father wound that he's playing out, you know, on all of us and with all of us as a leader or as the position of power. Um, so how do we equal that out? But a position of power is also you as a parent. So if you're getting triggered, that's about you and your old story and your relationships and your mother-father wound. Because if you're in balance, this is the last thing I'll say, the left hemisphere is about past, future, and direction. Past, future, past, future. So it's hard for me sometimes in Mark's Sport Road, they talk about the future or about like the 80s. You know, I'm like, talk more about right now. The right brain is present or here. So even when you hear be here now, or, you know, here now, that's what we're talking about, talking about be here now, making it as one here, not going so past future, past future with statistics, what is happening right now, what's happening with your child right now at the lunch table or at school? And what is it triggering for you right now? That's the present right brain. And that's why we started the companies to get people to open their right hemisphere more. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Mark, if you could share your perception of these beings when it comes to you and you as a father and, you know, a broadcaster and a husband, um, it'd be interesting to hear you share about that. It took me a while, I think, as a kid, when you hear the words masculine and feminine, that just meant man and woman. That's binary. And yep. I think a lot of people still feel that way, certainly behave that way. You know, one thing that is always on my mind with our kids and also as a broadcaster with our show is to take opportunities when they present themselves to break those those notions down, those misconceptions. And so we've got two boys here. I make sure that they are absolutely allowed to, you know, express their emotional side. Or even if there are little things that don't matter at all, but to some families, some people, it'll raise, you know, this, it raises this fear. An example, our daughter Ella is left-handed, so is Jude. And so he gets hand-me-downs of things sometimes from a girl, right? He's got us that we go golfing a lot. He's got a pink set of golf clubs. Not going, like we're not going to even mention it because what we notice is if you don't mention it, they have no clue. Right? And so I'm a very affectionate person. I give the kids a lot of hugs. I want them to see that a male uh, can be, uh, as you said, right, an, an emotional being, feminine, a nurturing being, being right, yeah. and then and. 
our daughter when she wants to do something that is traditionally male. If she wants to, you know, she loves basketball. Well, then let's, we're going to go play basketball. I'm not going to get, you know, spend any time on any, again, any preconceived notions there. So, so for me, it's really just kind of learning to understand myself and then helping them understand it as kids that masculine and feminine it is in a perfect world involved with with everybody and then we do that on the on the show as well you know i i I do like we a few weeks ago we had ladies night where i'm like the guests all have to be women we're not having any men on the show tonight and this certainly has now come into play with what's going on right now like let's almost let's go into the way we're building what we're doing with that thought let's provide a diverse uh platform you know for for a lot of different people to speak and and uh and so yeah when those opportunities present themselves on the show i'll lean into that a little bit as well. And, and there's there's blowback on that. You know, if there's sports radio is like as the most dumb masculine. If you spend time on, gosh, that athlete missed a shot in the big moment. And instead of, gosh, how could that happen? You're getting paid millions of dollars. Instead, we stop and go, okay, let's talk about the human side of this. Let's talk about the emotions and the and 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 what's happening in this space with this human being that has a helmet or a hat on, trying to do this for everybody and knowing that he's either going to be a hero or or a goat. And so when you go there, you will get people that are like that, that will will fire back on you. But I, I think these times actually have provided the ability to not really give that a whole lot of mind and just keep, you know, keep pressing forward on, on putting that out there for people as much as possible. Yes. Yes. And I'm so glad that you're doing that because that allows you to stand out as a broadcaster because you're humanizing sport. So in order to encourage this awareness of our feminine and masculine energy in our kids, um, I was just kind of thinking of some examples would you give, you know, a young boy dolls to play with so that they learn nurturing? This is such a, a great question. I, I would honestly say, first off, I wouldn't. Well, I would offer choice and let it be child driven. So if your two year old son says, I want a doll, then you get them a doll for their birthday or holiday or whatnot. Or and schools are doing this now. They're putting out everything. A lot of great nurturing systems are ahead of us, you know, and they know so you can put out the blocks and see who gravitates toward them or listen to who they are in their nature. And I thought a lot about this when you were just talking about the hemispheres of the brain. You know, there's a biology that comes. Anyone who has a boy and a girl can see there are gender differences, even if your son leans more feminine and maybe he's going not going to be, you know, he, he, he's going to decide his gender or a female goes right to a ball and a bat and has wants nothing to do with dolls. That's clearing the binary or the assumptions of boys are this, girls are this, or, you know, the one and done, you know, that exactly what we're talking about in biology. In energy centers, we call biology the root chakra, and it starts at home. But home is their body, their physical body, and then their choices. So what do they choose? And children are very smart. So if we're like, oh, you want a doll, you want pink gloves, you know, then we're putting in psychological separation of self. And they don't learn proper attachment to themselves, their caretakers, or what their nature, what they came to do, you know, their soul's code. So really free to be, let them be. It's very hard for a lot of dads, both across the board, very hard. Our daughter also loves TikTok, which I think is such a beautiful expression of dance. And so sometimes I have to explain to him when she's asking things, or they want a TikTok, it's not an obsession, 
you know, just like gaming for boys in reverse. I didn't like Fortnite at all. The guns, no way for a couple of years. And then we moved to Mill Valley from down south and we went to a parent, a beautiful school parent function. And the speaker said, let them play Fortnite because it's about socialization and, you know, and and being inclusion. I I couldn't agree more. I just leave the room and we have a time set. And when our son yells too much, I ask him to bring down the noise. And But it was a big compliment when he said I reminded him of like the key female in Fortnite, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, it's the biggest compliment from a preteen or teen. But I will say this about the hemispheres too. That's a second chakra, yin-yang balance, because once you start to get up past your physicality into more higher energy, even the energy starts to move. So the, you know, the BMW sign can go from a plus sign to a tilt, like a railroad sign. So I think like meal starting to move. So don't keep anything too finite in your brain. Like this is what it is. I've mastered it. That's our old way of learning. You know, this will boggle some people's head, but I'm just so glad you mentioned this. So remember choice and openness and everything now has about three to five choices at least, even marriages, genders, right? All of it. It's now a multiple, but that's okay. If you're feeling jumbled, that's your amygdala and you're you feeling like, oh, I can't get it, but that's being too intellectual too. I've got to master this psychologically. Just kick back a little and breathe and let go of wanting to be number one. Cause that's usually from old fear or feeling left out. It com- can come from being a minority energy. I do that as a woman, but those with darker skin, skin like want to get the A to go to UCLA or go to a certain school to have that label to hide behind, but that's over. It's like that all the systems are breaking down because they were built on that exclusion. And I'm number one because I wear a sweatshirt that says Yukon, you know, so mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> I wanted to ask you another duality kind of philosophy that you had shared with me, um, beer versus doer. And we can kind of classify ourselves into that. So what's a beer What's a doer and how do we know which one we are? Another great question because this will circle back to the nervous system. You know, doer is more of that external driven type A, I'm going to do, 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 and forget our kids are at our feet being like you've been going to work for 14 days in a row for 16 hours a day. That's the doer. Blinders on, going, narrow focus. This is ma- this is all genders do this. Men and women are doing it now because a lot of women had to play in a man's role game for so long. So you have to extra do similar to those with dark skin to work harder because the pool is so much smaller. So I want to honor that, but it's over. You don't have to do, do, do where you're going. You know, you're in motion and high motion and all external and very narrow focused because you forget you don't see so many things. And then the beer is really more that infinite nest, like sit on the egg and keep it warm. We sometimes joke with a friend of beer on a Sunday that just like, let's chill and let's be and be expansive and open. Yes, that's very hippie energy of the 60s, but not so much free love and sex, you know, just like the beer of being very present and what do we need right now? And we, I think you need that combo in, in partnership or you need to both be beers and doers in, in equality. So for some, it's turning tech off for the weekend and being more together in presence or present. And then the other thing I'll say is if, like we talked about earlier, for too much of our doer, our nervous system is shot. Our microbiome is shot. We get sick, really sick. We get depression and anxiety because you're in past future, which anxiety is about worrying about the future. Depression is being past. That's all doing energy. And then we're running from it. We're in fight or flight to get away from a trauma or we felt less than or we felt like minority or we feel we've been left out. We want to make more money. We need the bigger house to fit in. It's just very young, junior high, high school mentality. And then we have these gorgeous children trying to trail us 
They could care less. They want a roof over their head and some good food. Usually their food costs under $5 because they, you know, in and out more than they like or get, right? So it's, they're very simple. So when you be more, you hear what's around you, you expand and you go, what, how's my family doing? How's my health doing? How? So that's very important for the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system to be in balance is actually to be doing. So you're in some exercise, you're in motion sometimes, but you're not in that and you're not in that chaos, but you're not in that very narrow dehydrated form. So that being and doing really is kind of balancing, like like we said before, but we have to do both now. And kids know, that's why they spend time with friends and then get their homework done and they're multifaceted. They can drive a truck and ice skate. You know, they do two or more things. You don't have to choose to be an artist or a scientist, you know, one versus the other, like we were raised in. You know, if you're an artist, you're poor. If you're a lawyer, you're rich. You know that if you could be both. Yes, exactly. And and you want to be able to um, have that awareness and that um, cognition that you should kind of be both. That's it. And that's the pause. And for everyone listening, that's the limbic system, our human mammal part of the brain, because the amygdala is the spatial part that helps us not run into things or drive the car off the road. But it's also the part that brings the input and tries to process. That's where we're really overloaded and exploding. So yeah, we have to be aware how to decompress and clear eat and let the anxieties come up and then handle them with support. How how do you um, kind of bring about this reasoning in your children? Because they are, you know, very different ages, you know, tweens to teens. And these are the years where, you know, I feel like parents might have the hardest time relating to them. Well, I think we'll see how we've done when they're 22 to 25. That's when we're going to see. But I'll say this one, we have to walk it. They know. So we can't talk it anymore. We have to walk it. They're going to know that more than where our mouths are doing. They, they're so intuitive. They can sense our shoulders up. They can see what mood we're in with our back turned to them. So walking it and then choice and empathy are the other two big things. We're very empathetic and this takes pause. We just discussed this yesterday. You know, our oldest son adores our youngest son and vice versa. They all adore each other. We call our son and daughter an old married couple, which is by luck. That's something we did. Their birthdays fall on a good time, you know, together as well and whatnot. But I'll say this, we empathize. So like our 13 year old's like, oh, I'm frustrated. And we said, you know, but you did that too when you were that age. You know, we just try to relate it back to them that, you know, this I think teaches them not to be narcissistic when we give them that empathy, but it's got to relate to them. You know, it's kind of like they're holding the balloon string. So how does it relate to their experience? So we, I break it down a lot to age appropriateness. I rarely tell our daughter a lot about me unless it's about me at that age. You know, I don't say like, well, today I had a lot to do. You know, I, <laughs> I hear you when I was 10, that happened, you know. Right, right, right. Exactly. I, I mean, I think it's also important to uh, sort of take some time to assess along the lines of what Joe was just talking about, you know, about having to do a little bit of both be your endure is is being in tune with maybe what you see your your kids are i think it's probably maybe it's not i think pretty evident you know dill is an amazing beer and she has had to and she has done the work to pull the you know the doer side the masculine chakra out of her 
I, I am a habitual doer and I am, let's say, earlier in the process than Jill is in bringing out her doer in bringing out my beer, especially during quarantine, for instance, this, there's all these silver linings. It's awful, but there's all these silver linings. And, you know, I'm, I'm a morning person. And, and uh, in a time like this, the majority, maybe outside of our little guy, the majority of the rest of our family is not. And so I'm taking that opportunity to get up before everybody is awake and just go somewhere and sit and walk, you know, listen to things that, that calm and, and try to set it up. But, but getting to the, the, you know, with regard to the kids, you know, can we look at each one of our kids and say, oh, this one, you know, this one is really, he's a doer or she's a doer. And then can you go to the next one and be like, that one is a little bit more of an introvert, right? Our oldest from a, from an attitude standpoint and just kind of a way is a lot like Jill. Like he's, he's got his schoolwork during quarantine. He's in his room. He gets it done. You could go three, four, five hours without even hearing a peek from him. And so there are days where we're like, come on, you know, I'll just grab him. I'll be like, come on. We'll, we'll go on a walk. And he, we love to golf together. So every couple of days, let's go, you know, let's go hit the ball around. I think LA has got, she's kind of got balance. the balance. She's kind of got the balance. Our six-year-old is a doer. <laughs> and it's, you know, that's the one where during a time like this, <laughs> it gets really challenging because. It's like, what's next? Exactly. <laughs> and then, then the second you're done and you're like, cool, we did it. I need a break. He's like, now we're going to go do this. <laughs> Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing. It's but. seeing it's seeing that in each one of them and going, okay, what do we need to provide this person and lead? You yeah. know, and yeah. and and you know, uh, sort of encourage them to uh, to do. And Jill will, uh, you know, through classes and working in schools, and and then obviously here in the home is is kind of an expert on on getting a group of children to uh, to sit and be calm and meditate. And I can't even think of how wow. it works, you know, like, and, and because it's not very, um, <laughs> to borrow a word, I mean, it's not very intuitive, I think, for them. Kids don't naturally be like, I'm not, I'm going to sit here and calm myself down here and take a few deep breaths. So, uh, so she does a wonderful job of providing that with, with, with our kids. And then there are times where I can see, for instance, like somebody's kind of like got a daily cabin fever thing going on. And it's like, let's go. Let's go outside. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> Do something. Let's get that wiggle out. Yes. You know, so it's, I mean, yeah, that's every hour of every day for every. Right. Yeah. Especially during quarantine. Um, thank God for the great outdoors. You know, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, that change of scene, that reset, we all are kids, but we all need that. I wanted to ask you, Jill, um, do you feel like you can read your kids and what they're thinking and what's going to happen to them? Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think we all have that. But once again, can you take the emotion out? And can you take your old experience out? Because I think we're coming from a lot of trap memory and a lot of old trauma dramas or just conversations we didn't have when we were young or our experiences from school. And if we come from our perspective or our old experience, we're not we're not going to be able to read them because you're coming from a biased view, if that makes sense. So I had to learn to calm and center. You know, I, I do believe that kids are naturally intuitive and do like calm, but we pulled it out of them. You know, think of all of us past decade or two of our, you know, since the 2000, we've all been doers. We've had to be with the internet coming and it's everything's gotten so fast. 
or even just, you know, fast to go from play date to birthday party for those who are more fluent or mom has to go to work, dad has to go to work, you know, things have sped up. So we've taken that calmness out of our children. So I'll just say, because I think some of your listeners might have kids that will meditate. Meditate can be actually walking with a bracelet or a ball throwing up. It's anything that's rhythmic. It doesn't, doesn't have to be eyes closed sitting all the time. Some kids don't like that. And teens don't like that. It doesn't mean they're wrong. There's just different ways to meditate. Once again, we got taught the one and done of patriarch. You have to be uniform. You have to sit. You have to wear this. You have to bow down. It's just not true. That was uniformity and uniform. It was forming. It was a form that wasn't the whole picture. So I'll say that there. But yes, I can read the kids. I know sometimes that their bike's going to be wobbly when they go. So we have to fine tune it or they could break their arms. So I ask them to stay off certain streets. You know, you get a lot of premonitions. I think everyone does. And we just go, ah, that's just the thought. But the reason I mentioned earlier about not coming from your old experience, because if we get emotional or come from our own experience, we can also be deliberately creating things. And I think that's why old witchery or old people called this so awful because women and men would predict it. You know, there's a fire in town on Saturday. And then when it happened, the, the person that predicted it got blamed for it or you created that. So you have to be really careful not to think it's, that it's a worry thing. The worry will come after. So like, if I know that our son likes a girl and she doesn't like him. I just kind of, that's how I gauge how I talk with them about it. You know, I use my intuition not to be like, she doesn't like you. It's my it's information for us. What do we do with it? It's just more information, you know, or if I know, gosh, he's got to get to this dance on Friday because the girl he likes is going to be there and dance with him. Then that also too, I make sure we get a new t-shirt and we make, we drop them off and he showered, you know? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot. and all women have this, it's part of birthing your child. And I think men, actually have it too, especially if they respect and love their mom, because it's a very partly feminine, connective trait. You could be intuitive and masculine, but then you're going to use it instinctively for yourself. Right, right. So um, can you both share a moment in time where you just went with that mom sense or dad sense of yours, and it didn't steer you wrong? There are two things that stand out, and I'll share both just because one, for me at least, was you know, with one of our sons and, and one of them was with our daughters. And, and I think for each of us, it's key to understand the, the differences between raising a, a, a girl and, and raising a boy. With, with our daughter, Ella, when she was in kindergarten, uh, the school she went to um, was only like, uh, it was, they did a half day. So it was in the afternoon. So she didn't start until around lunchtime. And so sometimes we would go, you know, run some errands or whatnot and come back. And again, in my doer way, it would be like, you know, let's say school starts at noon. Well, I'll just pull pull into the driveway at 1145 and walk in and be like, let's go to school. Walked in one day and she's still fully in her PJs, you know, just kind of hanging out. I, I think we had a sitter over that morning because we yeah, had some business that's when stuff. That's the book to, was coming out. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I run in and, and I'm like, you know, immediately, oh my gosh, we're like, who cares? But in that moment, I'm like, we got to go, you know, we're late. And uh, we run, you know, she's like, Dad, you know, what do I, what do I wear? And very male, like, whatever, you know, as you open up the drawer and, and, you know, here, put this on. Within 30 seconds, she was in full tears. 
right? She loved to put her outfits together. Right, because yeah. she has a great fashion sense, and 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 uh, and I learned very quickly uh, within a minute. I was I was being pretty hurried and insensitive in that moment. After that, I, I immediately was like, "Oh, this is my girl dad moment. Like this is I. We only had one son prior to that." And I was like, okay, this is different. And I need, you know, see that and apply that uh, going forward. Uh, with our oldest, I coached his baseball teams from age four through like age, um, I don't know, maybe eight or nine. And uh, he made the all-star team one year. And this is on the, you know, back end. And he uh, he got up to the plate in the all in one of the all-star games. And he was called out on strikes. And I was not coaching the all-star team. We were sitting in the first row just watching him. And he takes a call third strike. And he just kind of looks back at the umpire, just turns and quietly walks to the dugout and sits down. That was never the experience we had age four through nine. And it didn't dawn on me until that moment that it was because of dad's presence. So I sat in the first row and I watched him walk to the dugout. And it was like an immediate thought. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. He needs a different coach because he's, he's, it's time for him to be able to handle the disappointment of whether it's sports or anything else. I was creating a safety net for him that I needed. We all needed to not, not be there anymore. So that, that was a moment for me. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love that you share that. Um, I'll say two quick ones. One, I used intuition the summer to see where we needed to travel or if we needed to travel and we really needed to almost spend less money and be gone for a month in our old hometown. So I really stayed to that. And it's exactly what the kids have ended up wanting. So I knew two, three months ago, that's what we were doing this summer. And that wasn't exactly what we would choose. So it really is understanding intuition for the whole group. Um, And it's working out. It's working out. And then when you know it to be true too, you let it form where you show up and then, you know, it shows up too. the energy shows up to rise to meet you but we don't sabotage it. So meaning like we're staying at friends' houses or traveling. So we actually get to stay the whole month or close to a whole month, you know, in Manhattan Beach, which is so expensive. So logically you could say, how could we do it? But then that's closing down, you know, let let it work, let energy work. And some people find that in spirituality and show up in your 50%. I was going to say this earlier, be really 50-50, partnership 50-50, all partnerships 50-50. So even with your spirituality, make sure you're showing up whole and then you'll really be able to embody you know, what comes in spiritually and energetically. And then the other thing I'll say, and this is a funny one, but this is such a perfect example. Last week, our daughter graduated on a Friday on a Zoom, but then a bunch of families, because it's finally starting to lift, right? Our, we decided to get together to park mast and everyone brings their own food and picnic. And our daughter has, could rule the world in many ways. She and her, and her girlfriends could, they all did their homework in Zoom fully, you know, uh, just, on their own, but also so managed and on a schedule and things I never did that year, I don't think, you know, especially about technology. So the point is, at the end of the um, picnic, a boy, they did a TikTok and a boy had asked our daughter Ella to go to ice cream, a place called Swirl in town. And my, my mom instinct would think like, you're too young to do that. But I stayed calm and listened and let intuition come in. And it said, yes, you know, they're going into sixth grade. It's up the street. She has to bring, um, friend, at least one friend or more, and I will chaperone. So that was my agreement. So then I felt seen and heard, well, there were eight or nine girls there at the time. They are like, we're going with her. And I actually <laughs> captain 
Because if we stay with our rigid rules, you know, that our parents taught us, some are great, but some can be adjusted, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And also she asked me not to say anything to dad because she was really embarrassed. Um, I just nodded like, I hear you. I think I even might have said, I hear you, but I didn't say what I was going to say or not. So then what's funny is when it was time for her to go, she didn't want me to go and seven friends were going and I, and we were paying for everyone's ice cream, but the boy could let her, or her buy her ice cream. So we had this whole talk that takes a little bit of time. And then she asked Mark to drive her down, but not, but I couldn't tell him anything more. And I said, I won't tell him anything more. I said, I already told him. So the whole thing worked out in such beautiful gel. And she's learning a very sixth grade safe lesson about first liking or not liking a boy. He was so brave to ask her. And I intuitively knew to, I filmed him a little bit on the Zoom. I told them all, because I knew she sat up a little. Like I noticed these nuances. So I filmed his little Zoom just for a couple seconds. So then we even knew, then we could check what he looked like on my phone. And who is he? Which boy is he? And is he kind and so, but I had done that before he asked her. So that's just a funny thing about if you stay in the moment, all this magic happens and you get a lot of information about parenting and your children. And then you do it from that. That's exactly it. Our oldest son, we would have never let him do it, I don't think. But she improved time and time again with her honesty and trustworthiness that she could go and do it. And she did it and she doesn't like him. And then they all played at a girl's house in the backyard. (laughs) So we had to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. You say thank you, you know, and oh, I did. But then you didn't really say goodbye. No, but it's okay. So I was really hearing dating in 2020 too. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Yeah. Do you have a quote that you live by? It's pretty simple, and, and, and I, I wrote to you, just be kind. Obviously, nothing uh, earth-shattering that, that you don't hear out and about, but it's, uh, it's one that I, we really try to, to share with the kids every single day. Um, that's not it, always easy to be kind. Yeah. No, no, for, for sure. I mean, that's, it's, it's not always easy, but then uh, sometimes I feel like, gosh, it's, it, you know, when, when you see repetitive uh, unkindness uh, from certain people or just certain areas of the world, that feels even harder. You know, it feels even harder yeah. where, where it's like, gosh, you, it would take the energy, uh, take a lot of energy to 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 be this way or to do this, you know, to go out of your way to uh, to hold other people down. So um, if that's kind of where you start every day with that goal and, and um, you won't win every day, but, you know, with that goal of just whatever we're about to encounter, you know, let's just try to be nice. Let's just try to be nice. Then, then, um, yeah, that's, that, that's one thing that, that, that I think about. Funny, I, I was going to say my favorite old quote is kindness heals, <laughs> but it's the oh, kindness. Yes. Heals. Um, but I'll also say that old and nice name quote, you know, we don't see people as they are. We see them as we are, mm. I think would be a big one for right now. Everything we we're just talking about, like if we can clear out our stuff, we'll see clearly and then we'll see intuitively clearly. So Wow, those are yeah, very poignant and um, profound. And it's you know um, the kindness one. I feel like we have to be kind to ourselves, to others, um, with children, to your siblings. You know, <laughs> everyone needs um, needs to keep that as a marker. I love you say that. Be kind to yourself because a lot of discernment and letting go is about that. Like if you've been abused or if you have psychological issue because someone's been so tough on you and repressed you, family, friendships, being kind to yourself is letting go of those friendships. And we often think that's the reverse, like, oh, not being kind. But if you're in the firing line of psychological, most emotional or physical abuse, that's not kind either. So really well said. So true. 
It's now time for Mom Haul, when we share products we love. Is there a um, product or app or whatever it is that you are just loving right now that you want to share with the audience? I've always been a big advocate of the Calm app since the very beginning of its inception. And I know Space was making a run for a long time, and I know they've shifted to be more like Calm app. I, w- I would say Calm app. And then also for our kids, cloth bags, like little snack bags that are cloth that they have to reuse or put in the washer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Um, where can my listeners find both of you? So Instagram is Jill underscore Willard and it's public. So it's, you know, you can hop on it. Or it'd be great follow. Also, we have two companies and it's I am community for intuitive meditation. I and am. One of my favorite things right now is presentprogram.com. We have uh, Instagram sites for present.program and um, I am or intuitive.meditation. If it's easy to follow, you'll see it on my main page. Um, but present program does a 50-50 for EQ. We, we teach EQ in the public schools, but we also do a 50-50 where you give it to a school three miles away, a neighbor school. So it's usually always a, with darker skin tone. Because if you look at any affluent area right, you know, right next door, usually within a mile or two. is. So I've been really proud about that. We've had it for, you know, over four years. But that said, we haven't got the funding because people really won't listen to us yet about equality and about without receiving so much, you know. But anyway, so you can find us in those models and you'll see, you know, on some and, you know, some other things are on the Internet over the years. So thank you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We will link all of this in the show notes. And Mark? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, from, a, from a show standpoint, as you had already mentioned, you know, KMBR is available on its own app or on the iHeartRadio app, so you can hear that show anywhere. Um, so that's, uh, from a show standpoint, I'm on Instagram as well, but Jill's is, is much more informative and interesting. I, I'm much more of a, um, from a business standpoint, I spend a lot of my time on Twitter. That's kind of our newspaper, and, and that's where I interact mostly. So the, that address is Mark underscore T underscore Willard. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I also accept any, almost any uh, invitation on LinkedIn. That's kind of a, uh, a more formal business uh, type setting. So if anybody wants to connect, uh, you know, from a professional sense there, I, you know, I usually accept those invitations also. Yeah, we're here for that 100%. We're, you know, we're all one with everyone. So we're here for that. That's excellent. I love that you say that. And to close out, could you lead us through a minute meditation that parents can do to recenter? Yes. I think you guys will all love this meditation. We did a long one of this um, a few weeks ago, but we call it the bloom or blooming meditation. And this is for men too, for fathers and of course the mothers and even children. But if you can begin to get comfortable, you know, sometimes people's practice is just relaxing. So we can think of meditation right now as relaxing having a real natural spine so you feel comfortable. And then if you can, shoulders down, away from your ears, so back and down, maybe open your heart and chest space. It can feel vulnerable, but please give it a try. Really helpful for your oxygen and your stress. And then lastly here, start to really sink into your hips and let them relax. Let your stomach lining and your hips relax and you know, a little gratitude or um, connection to whatever's holding you up. Is it a chair or bed or pillow or floor, rug? Just start to make a connection with something outside your body that's got you. And this really helps you center and be out of fight or flight or freezing up. 
And now just with your open chest and shoulders down, begin to breathe more deeply, possibly noticing both of your nostrils. So breathe in evenly. And it can be like a rainbow or a bridge where you breathe up through your nose and then down into your throat, balancing your thyroid, your Adam's apple, opening your chest and lungs and breathing in a little deeper maybe than you normally do. Pause if you can. If that's uncomfortable, let's exhale. Exhaling possibly a little more or more deeply. And we'll do that breath again. Inhaling. You can count to four if you wish or just go a little farther on your inhale down into your lungs or diaphragm or belly if you know how to do that. Be comfortable and then a little more. Pause if you can, like a light full balloon is in your chest. Light and full. There you go. And exhale when you're ready. And then just one more breath on your own. With confidence, inhaling. Pause or not pause. And exhale. There you go. So beginning to feel relaxed and starting to witness your body. Witness your breath by feeling it or hearing it. Witness that you're not your mind or your body, that you can hear, see, or feel. And then we're just going to do a quick blooming. So find that space that we spoke of at your sit bones or at your seat or hips. Connect with that beautiful space. Center like a circle of a flower or a circle of a bullseye right at that place at your sit bones that's touching ground or foundation or your seat and then with your inhale or exhale you choose I want you to visualize petals going out around that circle there could be three or five or 20 or 50 start to expand those petals can be colorful or all white can be red or green gold there you go make a choice then just begin to expand. It can be like a lily pad or foundation of your home. This is great to do longer, you know, next time. And now with the inhale, you're going to bring your breath up and right above your belly button. It can be right at your chest bone if you want, if that's comfortable, right where your mother element is. But it can be lower. We're going to do the same thing. Create that circle or center. Be a gorgeous circle, a ring. And then on the exhale or inhale, wherever you want, or the pause, I want you to spread out those wings, those petals, bloom. There you go. Opening that space up, even connecting to that space. If it's really hard and you're new to it, you can put your hand there to give yourself a little support. And breathe into your hand as you expand. It shouldn't feel stressful. Really just connection. That's a big power source. That's where I really had to open up self-actualization worth you matter you're embodied getting out there with bravery there you go clearing out old things digestion assimilation there we go and lastly we're going to bring it all the way up and you get to choose do you want to bring that last circle to that third eye spot above your eyes or do you want to bring it to the top of your head and crown Some of you that have done this for a while, you might go right under the top of your head to your crown or right over your head where a halo or crown 
energy center is, wherever you want to choose. I try to have it touch you on your forehead or under your forehead in your third eye. Create that circle lastly. Gorgeous circle, round space centering. It can be a dot if you want to start. And now on your inhale or exhale or your pause, spread out those gorgeous petals, crown jewels, expansion, connection. Just an offering and a thank you if you want. Something's got you. If it's, is it nature? You know, is it your universal energy? Is it those who have come before us? Is it God or universe or the stars in the sky? And when you're ready, this time we're going to exhale or let go and bring all that gorgeous, feel like a waterfall or gold coming from the top of your head or third eye all around you and going downward over your whole body, wherever there's skin, just wiping away all the stuff you just pushed out and expanded, stuff that's just help being held onto, or you listen so much to this whole podcast. So a lot of thoughts, a lot of things opening and what to think about. Let it go, especially let go of the fear of not knowing. Because you know it's now all in you and around you. You can listen again. If anything's gone on today or around you, you can say you're sorry and start anew. So this just gives us confidence to wipe away and clean the slate. We can apologize to our child. We can share stories. We can apologize to ourselves. We can open up for forgiveness from another, including those who came before us. And just let it go. Some of you will feel it leave all the way through the ground. Some might feel it go off like a rainbow or a cloud of light. Some might feel it's water and it's just floating back to the river or the sea. And when you're ready, some of you are going to want to pull energy back up to the heart. Some of you are going to want to pull it down or through. Whatever feels right, bring that energy to the center of your heart. That center space. You can add a color, green, gold, or pink, the rainbow, but give it some light. A little gratitude. So amazing. We're all here now. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes if they're closed. I would part our lips and then just wiggle or shake out. And you're here. You look radiant. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Your voice is so soothing. That was the most like visceral experience. It was so fun. Sorry, it was a minute, but it didn't take long. So I'm glad. Thank you. Thanks for everyone being here. Yeah. Thank you, Mark and Jill, for taking the time out um, to to spend time with my tribe and help parents realize the intuition within and helping us help our kids in the process. I can't thank you enough. Absolutely. A joy to be here. Thank you for stirring this all together. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Thank you. I hope my conversation with Mark and Jill was fun and entertaining and enlightening. I uh, think it's so interesting how we all have a feminine and masculine side to us, and you have to tap into that. So much of our world and us as human beings is rooted in duality, and recognizing that is such a powerful tool. I highly recommend Jill's book, Intuitive Being. 
And I wanted to share two reviews of the book. One was by Deepak Chopra, and he says, Intuitive being shows us how to unlock the power of our intuition to make better decisions and live a more satisfying life. And another by Goop says, Jill Willard guided us through tapping into and translating gut instinct into greater knowing. And I feel it has changed me in such a profound way as well. This show, That's Total Mom Sense, is all about intuition and how we possess this superpower. I've been changed in um, such a wonderful way after learning more about it and how um, our chakras and our being is truly intuitive. So check that out. It's linked in the show notes. And check out my upcoming episodes by logging on to my website, that's totalmomsense.com. And on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chada Gupta and on Facebook at Kanika Chada Gupta as well. Remember, always trust your mom sense and dad sense. Stay strong, parents. See you next time. That's total mom sense.